0: Bob Stauffer, Nice District, Ed Rogers, plays Game 5 tonight. The Edmonton Oilers and the LA Kings Series tied 2-2. Stuart Skinner back in between the pipes. Royal Pizza, pizza past and so much more. They're still making it great. You can get the new Canadian Club pizza with ham, chicken, bacon, ranch, and fresh tomatoes. Stauffer recommendation, Royal Pizza, some Mediterranean chicken. 14 Edmonton and area locations. You can visit royalpizza.ca. As we head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino just before we do, oh, whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh, just before we get to LMA, we need to take care of a little bit of business. We went to break asking you Oilers game day trivia for Pro-Am Sports, Fan Cave, and Fan Gear specials for all budgets in Edmonton on St. Albert Trail and at ProAmSports.ca. Our question was, Game 5, 2006, the Edmonton Oilers against the Detroit Red Wings opening round playoff series. Um... I remember I watched the game at Overtime Brother in Taproom uh, downtown. We'd had an event there the night before and went back to uh, get the vehicle uh, the next day like a uh, you know responsible citizen. Sat down and uh, watched Chris Pronger play his best game as an Oiler. He had three assists. That was who had three assists in that game and who scored a goal and blocked a shot off his head in the final 10 seconds of the game. And Brendan Escott, who was that? Oh my goodness, hilarious answers today. Uh, but it was Chris Pronger and uh, Sean Horkoff for the answers to that one. And Doug got it right today. Nicely done, Doug. And uh, Horkoff. Had a real good year that year, a uh, couple years later had 50 points in like 53 games, got a good contract, some fans didn't like the contract, was a pretty useful NHL player, just, uh, you know, hey, guys get paid, that's kind of how it works. Alright, we're going to head off to the River Creek Resort Casino Hotline, welcome back to the show, longtime Washington Capitals player and analyst, he's an Emberton area product, Al May. Hi Al, how you doing? Doing great today, Bob. All right, first of all, i got to ask you. You've done these Capitals games forever. How weird is it without Washington and Pittsburgh in the Stanley Cup playoffs?
1: It's absolutely bizarre, and I knew it was too good to be true that it kept happening and happening and happening. And uh, right now, I've watched pretty much every single game in almost its entirety. And uh, it's been kind of awesome to tell you the truth.
0: All right. Uh, There were three series that featured teams separated by five points or less. The Rangers in New Jersey, um, Dallas in Minnesota, and Edmonton in L.A. So should we be uh, not at all surprised then that all three series are tied 2-2?
1: No, I don't think so at all. And when you look at all this, the contrasting styles of of all of those teams, uh, I I think it's I, I think it's good great for the game and how exciting all these games have been the amount of emotion that we've had throughout the playoffs uh you know the the switching of you know the leads in every game has been exciting and I think it makes it I, I can't stand the blowouts like the old school Super Bowl games where you know the Dallas Cowboys have come out and trump someone by 30 points in the first half I don't remember if it was that bad but it felt that bad and that boring these playoffs have been
0: spectacular your thoughts on what we're seeing between Edmonton and Los Angeles, Game 5 tonight, 7.50 at Rogers Place.
1: Well, like I told you before, I think the w- the winner of this series goes on to the, the league finals for the Stanley Cup. And I think it's two contrasting styles. I think the LA Kings have great structure in their game. They've got great leadership in Kopitar and Dowdy. Um, and, and, you know, everyone follows and they play a gritty, hard game and the Oilers are having to do it with not just the big guns, you know, it's not just Dreisaitl and McDavid. Other guys have to score, and as I said this in in the past here, you know, the difference with Washington when they finally started to do something that won playoffs was it wasn't just Ovechkin, who still had a great playoffs. Kuznetsov had a great playoffs, but other players were coming up big. They weren't just looking down the bench or looking on the ice and expecting, you know, we'll say Ovechkin, we'll say McDavid and Dreisaitl, and this other players are stepping up and will, will themselves to stay in these games. And I think that's the key for the Oilers. They've got a lot of firepower. Their depth still isn't all the way where you want it, but that's hard to do in the salary cap world. But uh, I just think the will of the Edmonton Oilers that's been showing in these in these playoffs so far, it's been so fun to watch. It's been great to see that it can't just be McDavid. Other players stepping up and scoring timely goals
0: is important if you want to go all the way. Well, right now, Leon Drysaddle, uh, you know, nine points in four playoff games. Al, Leon Drysaddle has 41 points in his last 20 playoff games. Only Wayne Gretzky has a higher point per game total uh, for uh, NHL players in history that have played at least 40 playoff games. Does that perhaps illustrate just how good dry settle is come crunch time?
1: Oh, yeah, it's it's funny. McDavid, McDavid, McDavid around the league, and it's like this incredible goal scorer and point producer in Edmonton who can seemingly do it all on offense. You know, he doesn't get enough credit outside of Canada, and he's so fun to watch. He can shoot the puck from anywhere. He looks like he can skate around anyone and outmuscle pretty much any defenseman in the National Hockey League. So he's a horse out there, what he's been doing, and it's nice to see him healthy. I don't know how healthy he is, but he's a lot healthier than he was last year when he had that high end ankle sprain which is like the kiss of death to most players and he gritted that one out that was uh really something to see last year and i'm happy he's not hobbled like he was last year but the gritty performance that he put forth for the oilers was phenomenal
0: uh yeah it's it's spectacular and you talked about the fact the comebacks and that's why you don't tweet during the games when, you know, a team's down 3 nothing and make grandiose statements about this and that with the team because, you know, what we've seen, it, it's not the 3-2 Daryl Sutter League from eight or nine years ago. It's a much higher scoring time, Al.
1: Yeah, well, there's usually smarmy individuals who are you know sending out clickbait for those. But the uh, you know the biggest is just watch the game, let it evolve. It's like the fan who gets pissed off in the first period and throws a jersey on the ice. Well, they're going to want that jersey back after they after the team wins the game. And you know we saw that in, uh, here in D.C. years ago. Uh, the Capitals had about a thousand people, give or take, uh, that they lost the first two games of the playoffs to Columbus. They they were given their season tickets back. They didn't want any. To do with them, they're tired of being brokenhearted. They're fed up, and they, I think it was a three or four phone call process. And all of a sudden, these people are all upset that they couldn't get their tickets back, but they re- they sold them to someone else by then. So if you, you have to. That's why you play the games. They've got to be played in their entirety, and uh, you never know what can happen. We saw that last night with Tampa and Toronto. So that that's what I love about playoff hockey. That's what I love about the NHL. Is you can't just make a bet and know there's going to be one of two teams that win the Stanley Cup like you can pretty much do in the NBA. You can do that, you know, before the first game of the season. And you've got to play the games. And that, to me, is the most important thing. Uh, it's not just pull on your jersey or t-shirt, whatever the hell they do in the NBA, and you just get the win. In the NHL, you need so many things to go your way to get the win, and that's why, to me, it's the the greatest championship to win in North American sports.
0: Well, the first round's been unbelievable, and we talked about the three series where the teams are separated by five points or less. The two teams of the playoff teams that made it, that had the worst records, were Tampa Bay 18th and Winnipeg 22nd in the final back half of the season. Winnipeg actually had a negative goal differential during that run. Both those teams feature Vezina Trophy caliber goaltenders. Uh, Al, I mean, I'm not surprised that Winnipeg's had some challenges against Vegas. They've also now suffered some injuries. So luck has played a factor, too. Are you surprised that like Tampa Bay got spanked a bunch of times down the stretch? Are you surprised that Tampa Bay's down three-one to Toronto, who their own demons are trying to exercise?
1: No, I'm not at all. Because when I look at this Tampa Bay defense, uh, I'll start with them. Is that it's just not the same. And the Ryan McDonough, the loss of Ryan McDonough due to the salary purge and having to sign other guys is significant because I don't think Sergeyev is in the same category as McDonough defensively. And to me, offensively as headman all around as headman. And he's prone to pizzas. He's prone to bad penalties. Uh, Positionally, he gets caught because he's an emotional player and it's usually the wrong type of emotions. Uh, purbix, It's just not the same mix. And you know, said that before, you have to have the right blend of everything. It starts in management, you got coaching, you have the roster that you have, you have to have luck and health and luck and bounces. Uh, A great game plan. I don't think Tampa has that right now. I might eat crow in this, but uh, they seem slow in certain areas. And last year you could always feel their grit. And right now uh, I don't always feel the grit of their entire roster.
0: Does it just come to a point where they've played so much hockey that they're worn down as well? And the war of attrition on their actual roster itself from the the salary cap. The combination and confluence of those two has come back to bite them a bit.
1: Well, you know what? I just think when you have a, a, the will of a champion, and you know what they've been able to do, how they transform, you know the way they play, and you know John Cooper's still the coach. They went from being one of the prettiest teams in the National Hockey League to one of the mo- grittiest and villainous teams in the league. And I love how they play and how they stay in these games. But I, I think their bottom end right now just is just not the same and I I go through their defensemen, to me it's just not the same. And so the roster to me going into this, I reluctantly, because I'm not a fan of any part of the Toronto Maple Leafs, that I thought Toronto was going to win this this series. And I looked at they had nine NHL defensemen going into the playoffs under contract. Uh, you know, they're making some crazy decisions every game, if you ask me by who they're putting out there. But the addition of Ryan O'Reilly, uh, Noel Chari, those guys are gritty. And, and they played in big games. And Ryan O'Reilly has played in the biggest of games when you look at the guys that are on that roster. And I, I just think that the work ethic, the relentless you know, type of play that he brings to the game. He's certainly not a pretty hockey player. There is zero quit, and I just think when you have a player like that, you know, he, he's helping them push back against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and and I just think w- with the forwards that they have, I look, they've got a very, very solid group of 12 forwards, no matter which guys they seem to put in there. Right now they can skate, they're gritty, they can all make plays, and they're being led by, in my opinion, Ryan O'Reilly, uh, who's got guys doing other things that they don't normally do. They're, they've been in the fight. They've been fighting back. Uh, they, they, You know, the Lightning have tried to bully them, uh, but they've fought back. And I, I love that as a hockey fan, that they're not letting themselves just get pushed around. They're pushing back, and they're finding ways to stay in the games. And right now the proof's in the pudding as to how they're playing. You know, they still got to win the big number four, and that's been their demon forever. But uh, it, they're, they're doing something special right now.
0: All right. Right, uh, Boston, Florida. Given that they don't have Bergeron, uh, Nortrecht, I got to tell you, I'm surprised Boston's up three-one, and a couple of those games haven't been close.
1: I am not, because when I was thinking about this today, and I, I didn't have time to do the deep dive yet, but when you look at the roster that they have, you know, they were absolutely loaded going into this, but the amount of guys that can put the puck in the net yeah. right now, and I know, and I one of the things I did say, and I'll admit this, I did not think that the Bruins were going to be good this year, let alone be the best team ever in the National Hockey League by regular season standards. But when you look at the amount of firepower that they have up front, uh, just in the guys that are still in that posture, like Marshawn, Zaka, that have been putting the puck in the net, Jake DeBrusque has been... Fabulous this year, incredible. He's been awesome. Every game I've watched DeBrusk play, he's been next level. Uh, I look at Charlie Coyle's been stepping up, and and Taylor Hall, you know, who's banged up. You know, he seems like he's always banged up because he plays with reckless abandon. So he he's a former league MVP. They've got that for the depth. You look at Bertuzzi, the amount of goals that he's got. So I look at the players that they have in the lineup. Everyone's accepting their roles. They have right now. They have the best coach in the National Hockey League because I don't think any of this was possible without that guy, Jim Montgomery, being their coach. I agree. He's and, done a great job. Yeah, he, he got, he, I voted he,
0: for him number one for Coach Lear. I mean, that's that's an easy one after the year they had.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, with, with him, he shocked the world. I think opening night against the Washington Capitals this season, he came in and made the – he just – the so Capitals didn't have a clue for anything. They spent about the first two and a half, three minutes of the game hemmed in their own zone below the goal line. They were down a couple goals before you knew it, and they just carried that momentum all season long. He's a defensive genius, and that defensive hockey they played leads into really, really good offense. And you know what? As long as their D are healthy, I think that's the number one thing. They've got to keep those D healthy. And I, Omark was hurt against the Caps late in the season. I saw a goal. Uh, I can't remember if it was two or three games. Ago that, that he let in, and it didn't seem like his right leg was listening to him. But uh, last game, he certainly looked like he was 100% healthy. But they've still they're still loaded. Uh, their team can skate, and you know they were playing a, an offensive brand of hockey with Cassidy, and now they're playing a great blend of really good offensive
0: and defensive hockey together. He liberated the team. That's what happened there, Al. He liberated the team.
1: Whatever you want to call it, he did it. And I'll tell you what, they're playing, and you know what I like about him, because he doesn't throw anyone under the bus, uh, he builds his players up. Yes, uh, he, he seems like a player's coach through and through. In the fact that he speaks to them the, the way they wanted to to be spoken to, uh, and you take the the two oldest players, I just did not think they were going to be able to do it with. I didn't think those two would get through this season unscathed because I, always, I already thought there were so many hard miles on Bergeron's body, and then players coming back from overseas very seldom. Uh, do they come back to the level they were and Krejci? he came back and he looked he looked phenomenal yeah. all season long. He's such a great all round player.
0: Great stuff, Al. Appreciate your time. Take care, man. Talk to you soon. You bet that is Al May, longtime Washington Capitals broadcaster and player. Grew up in these parts. It's one hundred fifty one in Edmonton. We'll come back with the game day lineup report for McGuire Financial. We go to the Game Day lineup report brought to you by McGuire Financial. Have the right teammates on your side for your financial future. For a free financial consultation, visit mcguirefinancial.ca. All right. Uh, the orders did run drills today. Vander Kane for the second consecutive morning skate was not on the ice, but I do envision. Uh, let's go with what they started with last game. McDavid with Kane and Hyman, of course. Settle and McDavid played a lot together as the game wore on. Uh, Connor McDavid's playing 25-59 per game. Uh Leon Dreisaitl with RH and in Yamamoto. Dreisaitl, five goals, nine points, plus four, uh, playing 23-26, 52.4% in the face-off circle. Yamamoto doesn't have a point in the series. McLeod was with Fogle and Derek Ryan. Uh, Ryan McLeod's at 65% in the faceoff circle. He's 21-11. Nick Bukestad and Clem Costin. Uh, Kosan played just 3:38 and seven shifts in Game Four of the series on defense. Nurse and CC Ekholm and Bouchard, uh, Kulak, Broberg slash DeHernay. I do think Edmonton goes 11 and seven again. Stuart Skinner starting in goal. He's one and two with 3.38 goals against the average, 881 save percentage. The Oilers' uh, power play is 6 for 11 in the series, 54.6%. Their penalty kills at 706 So they're 125% combined special teams. Power play has been off the charts. Edmonton leads the playoffs amongst all teams. Shots four per game at 39.8, and they're six in shots against 32.5. Statistically, Edmonton's unlucky not to have scored more 5v5. Kopitar with Byfield and Kempe. Uh, Kopitar, six points minus three in the series. Deneau with Moore and Arvidsson. Fiala came back, had a couple of assists, went plus two in his first game with Villardi And I have follow. It's a good third line for L.A. They have Kapari with Anderson, Dolan, and Grunzer. Uh, Mikey Anderson, uh, Drew Doughty on defense. Drew Doughty playing 29 minutes a game. Gavrikov at uh, 22-26, along with Matt uh, Matt Roy. And... uh, got past note that it could be Walker and Jersey together, two righties in the third pairing. Jonas corpusrel has got a 918 save percentage. He's 2-2 two two with a goals against average of 3. Uh, the Kings... We'll have 11 skaters playing 20 minutes or more uh, per game in the series going tonight. The Edmonton Oilers will have nine. So there you have it. That is our game day lineup report. It is brought to you by Maguire Financial. Again, you can text us at any time at 780-496-0063. Hodgie, here we go. It's a long one. Uh, Bob, losers lament or not, please do not let the duo of Pollock and Rank off the hook. They called an incredibly inconsistent game three in the Oilers' King series, and then Sunday night, I'd argue, they cost the wild the game and an even a worse display of officials wanting to be the show. In the playoffs, when the stakes are so high, quality officials will do everything possible not to impact the game with a questionable call. Rank and Pollock make it at least two obnoxiously incorrect calls a game. The threshold for a penalty in the playoffs should require the officials... To be 85% or higher in their belief that the infraction is worthy of impacting a game or series... uh, be present before calling a penalty. Last night, the two calls on Felino were not even close to being the correct calls. The precedents were set early in the orders Game 3 with the Nurse and D'Arnais. Penalties were not maintained throughout the course of the game, ultimately costing the orders a game, and no penalty consistency as a game progressment. The orders were not afforded. The same questionable calls that the Kings benefited from early in the game. If the media is not willing to expose Rankin-Pollock's uh, competency, then there's no mechanism to to pressure officials to maintain a higher standard and consistent threshold for penalties in the playoffs. You could argue maybe LA got a tough call in Game Four. Uh, certainly, there were two or three questionable ones in Game Three. The dry settle call for me was the one that really just—that um, was you handed handed momentum back to the LA Kings and. and you know, you do have a couple, they tend to be writers that will, oh, no, no, they kind of ever second guess it. Of course, in the spirit of the moment, they might tweet, as they often do. Oh, that's a crazy, but they'll come to the defense on a more grandiose scale for some reasons. But bottom line is, you got to play through it. That's how it works. Got to play through it. There you go. All right, off to global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn. Mike McKenna to talk goaltending from Daily Faceoff when we return.